Kathy Mills, give it up. Give it up. Thank you. I didn't know you could do that, girl. Whew. So I have the great honor and the distinct pleasure to introduce Reverend Denise Schubert. I consider her my minister. She is my practitioner. She is a teacher. I have experienced all of these aspects of her. I have experienced her um, inspiration, her wisdom. I believe that she is divinely inspired. And just to show you how inspired she is back in the day, when I was carrying on and acting a fool, and believe you me, I could do that, I would stop in her office, and she'd pray me up. She'd have a practice session with me and, and settle me down, and I'd go back out into the world and continue to act a fool again, and I'd come back into her office. And one day, I was really acting a fool, and God inspired her. She got right up in my face, and she went... I was rendered speechless. <laughs> Not much can make that happen. That's how inspired she is. Give it up for Miss Reverend Denise Schubert. I can't believe he went there. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. You know, I, uh, it has been a long time uh, since I, well, I've never been here. I've never spoken here. So, uh, so most of you, I am so happy to see you. I am so happy to see you. <clears throat> I send you great love from the Triangle Center for Spiritual Living. We're about 100 strong now. Uh, and they're amazing just like you. They're amazing just like you because the truth is there's only one of us, right? That God is one and we are one. And so uh, one of the things I love about these rooms is you just, love is just the way it is. You don't have to <clears throat> test anybody. Nobody has to prove anything to you that we just love each other. So I'm very happy to be here. I'm talking about today the, my most favorite thing to talk about, which is really um, <clears throat> living an extraordinary life. How do we move out of uh, business as usual? How do we live, move out of a life that is predictable into a life that is possible? And the life that is possible is an extraordinary life. You know, my, my dream for all of us, in fact, I think my ministry has boiled down to this idea that it, I want for every single person their life to be a life that is for them extraordinary. That when you look backwards, that you just say, how did I get so lucky as to live this life? How did I get so, how could it be that my life for so many years was hard or boring or, or uh, challenging, but I can't even remember that anymore. All I know now is that the last 10 years have been extraordinary years for me. And I call this a possible life. Now, <clears throat> The talk, my talk title is Predictable to Possible, A Life of Vision. My workshop this afternoon is Commitment, A Life of Power, Commitment, Integrity, and Congruence. And really this talk, because we, we can't really talk about commitment until we talk about vision. We can't really talk about commitment until we talk about opening up a space for us that is predictable, uh, that is possible. Because until we do that, the things that we're committed to well, I don't know about you. Before I got committed to what I really cared about, I was committed to a lot of things I pretended to care about or that my mother wanted me to care about. 
or that my husband wanted me to care about. Any one of them. The husbands. <clears throat> right. But though that, that kind of commitment, com being committed to the things you don't really care about, is not extraordinary. It just isn't. So we need to find those things. Now, <clears throat> choice is a uniquely human condition. You know, rocks cannot do anything but gravitate. Tigers cannot do anything but pounce. But human beings have this mind-boggling, extraordinary possibility of deciding what to do and who to be in every single moment of their lives. And that is uniquely true for us. No, no, nothing else does. They just have to do what they do. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I would like to suggest that most of us live with, until we awaken or have a new idea or God hits us over the head with a two by four, or something happens that we, li we, we live out of a certain context. And a context is, um, the other word I'd like to use there is paradigm. But a context is like the f uh, water is to a goldfish. The context is what we live in. And we live in it without questioning it too much. That it's just the air we breathe. And so we think we're right. We think that what we believe is true. And the way we see the world is the way the world is. And all the, you know, the list of things we believe and the rules we have, that we believe that they're right. And that's, I would call that a context. Um, and the context for most of our lives is a context that has been formed in us from our past. That we were taught what to think, we've been taught how to behave, we've been taught what's important, we've been taught what's worth fighting for, we've been taught all of those things. And uh, so this past orientation creates for us a kind of world-to-word view. <clears throat> Could I have... Um, you guys made me sing. That's why this is doing this. In my community, <clears throat> when there's only 100 of you, people don't, oh, oh God, they don't have to pee. Oh. <laughs> excuse me. Excuse me. <clears throat> Spiritual people pee. So in a world-to-word -word context, what the, a world-to-word -word context goes, sounds something like this. You don't have your own version, but it, a world-to-word -word context sounds something like, oh, I can't sell my house because the real estate market's really bad. Or, um, you know, I come from a, um, all the women in my family are overweight. Or, um, you know, my, my track history with relationships is really awful. I'm never going to have a really healthy, wonderful relationship. That those, that's a world-to-word viewpoint, using the world out here to describe <clears throat> your words. You, your words are describing a world. Now, the problem with that is these words are describing and explaining and justifying your position and explaining why your life can't be extraordinary. So those are the reasons why... You can't have the life that you know that, you know, it's like your holy inheritance. That God, that's not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is that you're extraordinary. That you, you wouldn't even be here if you didn't have something extraordinary. You would not even be here if within you wasn't uh, that song to be sung, that book to be written, those children to raise, that garden to grow. And it doesn't have to be magnificent. 
in, in according to the world. You know, you don't have to go be a Mozart. You can just do what you do, but you want to do what you do in such a way that it is extraordinary for you, that you are alive, that you bring, right, that you bring um, vitality and joy and happiness in, <clears throat> into every aspect of what you do. Now, nobody is kidding when they are talking about a quantum field of unlimited possibility. Nobody's kidding. The quantum physicists are not kidding when they say that we live in pure potentiality. That science of mind teaches that, do we not? We teach that, th that your word is your wand and that there is this universe, this plastic universe, this moldable universe that is simply waiting for you to give it some useful instruction instead of I don't have any money. Because when you say I don't have any money, what does the world say to you? Yes, you're right, you don't. Let me give you some more of not having any money. Right? So this, this field of potentiality, another way we would say this here is in God, all things are possible. Do you believe it? Because if you believe it, if you believe it, the chances of your having it or doing it or accomplishing it are much greater. Now, <clears throat> so it's not, the question is not, is it, is this, uh, world of unlimited possibility? Is this a world of uh, awesome, amazing, mind-boggling potential? But the question really is, is, is it for you? Now, <clears throat> only butterflies can explain how caterpillars come to fly. Think about it. Only butterflies can explain how caterpillars come to fly. So, we're like the caterpillar. We're like the, so we're like the caterpillar, right? And our, the caterpillar's life is okay. The caterpillar's not complaining because it's living in a context of a caterpillar, right? It's inching its way along the earth, not too quickly, not with too much flamboyance or bodaciousness. But nonetheless, it's living, and it's nibbling on little green leaves. And, you know, it's true, it can't get to the most delicious ones that, the, you know, that are hanging from somewhere it can't get to. But nonetheless... The caterpillar is just happy as pie with its life until one day something, some madness overtakes it. And it has this ridiculous idea that it's going to build a cocoon of its own demise. And nobody asked it. You know, uh, remember, uh, only human beings have choice. So rocks must gravitate, tigers pounce, and caterpillars must build a cocoon for their own demise. And it is compelling in them, and they do that. And when they're in this cocoon, uh, at some point, the life that they knew dissolves, the body that they knew dissolves. And, uh, and if you had asked it if it wanted to do that, if, if I said to you, come with me, come on, let's build ourselves a cocoon. And you're going to go into the cocoon, and while you're in there, the life as you know it is going to completely dissolve. You will no longer exist in the form and in the way that you exist now, you would say, hell no. Find another patsy. That's what you're all saying right now. <laughs> because the invitation is, week after week, don't be afraid to give up what you know. Don't be afraid to let go of what you believe. Don't be afraid to, you know, we, we hold these things so tight, like we are so darn right, you know, and that if I don't do this, I'm going to, I won't, 
I don't know what we think. It's insanity. But, so, but there, that is the invitation because, you know, ultimately what emerges from this cocoon is the caterpillar is a being that it never imagined itself being, that is no longer restricted to inching itself along the earth. It is no longer restric restricted to this little square piece of plant. It is the, the sky's the limit, right? And you see caterpillars and they're dancing and playing. Well, they're darn happy because life is different. Life, could you imagine that if the butterfly remembers, recalls its previous life before the cocoon, it, I promise you, in, from the butterfly's perspective, its life is extraordinary. When it looks in the mirror, she's really happy because she was really ugly as a caterpillar and really beautiful as a butterfly, as are we, are we not? When we are in victim mode, when we are whining and complaining about how the world will not serve us, when we are living from our past, this context of, this context of um, predictability, I'm telling you, until you climb into that cocoon, there's nothing else possible, nothing, that 10 years from now, you will be losing the same five pounds. You will have the same money problems. You will marry and divorce three of the same men. <laughs> so we're wanting to... So, uh, so how this world, how this past works in this languaging... I don't see any drawing clock. Oh, yeah, I do. There it is. Okay. <laughs> in this languaging, a world-to-word view is the past being projected into the future. So in that scheme of things, the past gets projected into the future. So if you didn't have any money in the past, you project into the future that you're not going to have any money in the future either. And then how you show up today is according to that projection. So you're going to show up today, your behavior, it's why it's so hard to change. Because it's hard to change. Because we're asking you we're asking you to affirm your prosperity when you don't have rent money. But until you affirm your, do you understand? Until you affirm your prosperity about rent money, you can't have it because your history is going to inform your future and your future is going to be pulled right into your present moment. You know, Mary Manna Morrissey does this wonderful work uh, in the Prosperity Plus program and she talks about, she asks the question as people are developing their vision, she says, if you were a rich person, what would you do when you wake up tomorrow morning? And is it different than what you would do mired in poverty? Right? So how can you act like a person who has money before you have the money so that the money can come? Are you with me? Yeah. So I'm not saying it again. I can never say it as well as I said it the first time, and then you all judge me. So we want to shift. So the context you're wanting to come into is a word-to-world view. That really is the context. It's a paradigm. It's like you want your word to begin to define the world. Not just yours, everybody's. You know that uh, when you start, when we start speaking words of love in the midst of war or violence or hatred, love will happen. We just don't do that. We say, "Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket." How can I 
how can I protect my little corner here while it happens? <laughs> right? Right? It's not, it's not inspiring. It's not extraordinary. So in this word-to-world view, what will happen is you are going to, the past gets left where it is. If you can put, just let the past be the past. If you leave it in the past, it can't affect you. That's why there's so much um, effort and so much um, uh, emphasis put on healing your past, forgiving your parents, getting over that relationship, really because you want to step into a space of unlimited possibility. You want to step into a space in which you speak your word into a world. When you do that, what happens is you uh, project that possibility into the future, and then that future begins to inform the present rather than the past. And it's a completely different way of being. It's a different, completely different way of living. And it is so contrary to the world that it will feel hard at first. It'll feel, um, you know, people always, they say things like, uh, when you're teaching people to do affirmations, it feels like a lie, right? It's like, I'm going to tell you, you playing small, poor, broke, alone, and tired is the lie. Because you are butterflies, right? Because you are butterflies. So there's a quote, um, a quote from one of uh, a book called um, Conversations That Matter, Insights and Distinctions. And this was written, taken from a piece uh, written by Steve Zaffron, who was a landmark forum leader. And he says, possibility is not real at its origin. With me? Possibility is not real at its origin. It's something we create as real and then stand for as a reality. God, this is, uh, amen. <laughs> Our churches never do that. It's like, oh, that's so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, going to some churches and they got soul, you know. Amen, sister, sing it again. Yeah. <clears throat> Future, uh, all right, I'm going to read it again. Possibility is not real at its origin. Now listen, and let's forget about money and tangible things for a moment, though principally it doesn't change. You can create money and houses and relationships and parking spaces just as easily as anything else. But let's take something that's maybe even a little harder. What if you want to go from being really cranky to being really loving or to being really afraid to being really safe and secure? or from being um, alone to being consciously connected in community, freely and happily and joyously, right? So possibility is not real at its origin. So when you first say, I am a loving person, uh, you're not, you may not be talking, that person you're talking about may not exist. You could have had a life full of hate or a life full of resentment or a life full of fear. And from the moment you say it and then stand for the, what you say, things will begin to shift around you. And can you let them shift? Can you prepare yourself to be different? There's a question you all should be asking. And the question is, what don't you know, the knowing of which would change your life? (laughs) Oh, wow. Right? What don't you know? You think you know everything. What don't you know that if you knew it, Everything would change for you. 
It's a great question. You just have to want the answer. Because, you know, God could say to you, I want you to change your line of work. I want you to meditate every day. I want you to paint a picture. So God will tell you what to do. And you have to say what? Yes, you have to say yes. All right, possibility is not real at its origin. It's something we create as real and then stand for as a reality. Future-based language contains the direction and momentum which and for which things move. So the invitation is to let the past be in the past. Nothing you say about the past is true lest you say it. Right? So you're only going to talk about the future and what you want to create for yourself. That's the work we're going to be doing this afternoon. You're only going to talk about the future and what shows up for you like an extraordinary possibility for your life. And so it is. All right, let's pray. Butterflies. All right, so uh, take a moment with me and just turn within. Once again, we're turning. We close our outer eyes, not because it's anything big. We close them to turn away from the world, the already created world. We turn away from people, circumstances, conditions, situations, the past. We turn away. And as we turn within, we open up our inner eyes. We open up, we allow our inner gaze to behold the Christ in us, to behold the reason why all things are possible, to, to behold the reason why we live in a field of uh, infinite potentiality. Because God is. Life is. We are. God is. You are. And you are a unique and individualized expression of the only thing that there is. And is God limited? No. Is God sad? No. Poor? No. Broke? No. Sick? No. That God is life. God is extraordinary joy and happiness and peace and vision. And so I know that as we come together in this consciousness that something opens in us, that I just speak this word for and about each and every one of us, that we, we, we boldly go into that cocoon, that cocoon of change, that cocoon of transformation, the place where we can dissolve the past and create a future, that place where we can lay down that which is small and limiting and no longer wanted. And we can begin to cultivate within ourselves our ability to fly, our ability to soar, our ability to live extraordinary, bold, beautiful, bodacious lives. So I accept for each one of us that this is easy and effortless and graceful, that we are willing and open, eager and receptive, and that there is nothing worth holding on to, nothing worth clinging to. That when you take one step towards God, God will take ten steps towards you. When you seek, you will find. Knock, and the door will be answered. This is what I know. So be fear not. Simply step into uh, a faith, a trust, a surrender, a belief that passes all human understanding. Don't worry about whether your mother agrees. You just do it. And the world will behold you as a new being, 
a new creature, a new creation, and it will rejoice. And so I'm so grateful to speak this word. I'm so grateful to know it, to claim it with such belief and conviction and certainty for enough for all of us that literally give God one corner of your heart, one corner of your mind, just one little corner, and your life will change in magnificent ways. And so I just simply release this word into this magnificent law that always and only says yes, that can never say no. And we accept the yes exactly as powerfully and as presently as it's given to us. So rejoice in this moment. Say yes. Say yes like you mean it. All right. It is now that we may know together that it is done. And so it is. (laughs) Reverend Denise Schubert. You sure you don't want to stay up here and sing with us?